0: It's time for Pitmaster
1: and the Doc! Hey guys, Pitmaster here. I'm here with the Doc because we are Pitmaster and the Doc. John, good to see you. Good to see you. We're going to talk about uh, UFC 220, I think it was. Uh, Nagano versus, uh, Stipek. I think Steve Who was the, who was the, uh, favorite in that fight? The, the,
0: uh, Challenger. By what? Like... It was a under, it was a 140.
1: Okay, so not much. Okay. No, but it was the... A... That's weird. Um, and then we had, uh, DC against, and we got uh, a picture of him here. a picture of these guys. <laughs> it was, it was an interesting fight, and we're going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about DC... And uh, and uh, what's his name? Vulcan? Yes, yeah. Bul- Ozdemir. Okay, we'll talk about that fight. We'll talk a little bit about the other um, supporting fights that came up to the main event, but let's talk about the main event first. I mean, this fight was good all the way through, um, only because of Nagano's ability to win the fight from round 1 to round 5 but it went down substantially each each round and the, the uh,
0: biggest drop off was between round 1 and 2 I mean <laughs> he came out after one round in round 2 and already you could tell he was
1: exhausted he was exhausted it it was uh it was uh it was evident that he had shot his load, as they say. That's an awkward way to Who put it. Who says that? <laughs> no, like... Like when you shoot your load. Like you're like... You only got so much in you. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> well, that's I what, think you say that maybe. That's what he said. It. Or she said. Whatever. Anyway, okay. So... <laughs> he shot his load. He... He expended his energy really quickly. And...
0: And, dang, I mean, he seemed very dangerous in round one. You he were just hoping Abe could hold on.
1: Yeah, and he did. Um, he had a beautiful, beautiful display of distance control, which was caused by his... his Stepe. did. Yeah. yeah. With, by his footwork was excellent. So he had great f- uh, distance control, and he had great... Takedowns, great timing on the takedowns, which saved him. Um, but what didn't save uh, Francis was there wasn't a lot of conditioning going on. Well, let's talk about these two guys. I mean, walking, you know,
0: walking into the octagon, I mean, Francis Naganu, you can be up to 265 in the heavyweight division, and he weighed almost every bit of that with just about no fat on him. I mean, he's all muscle. The guy, I mean, he looks amazing. He's 6'4". Actually, both guys are 6'4". They're built a little differently, though. Well, um, and uh, and Stipe weighs, you weigh quite a bit less. I think weighed in at 240 or something like that. So just, you can't be bigger than Francis Nagano mu- muscle-wise in the UFC. I mean, that's he's yeah. right up to the limit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I so mean, he's,
0: imp- I mean, he's just a, just intimidating-looking guy. And then they would talk about him hyping up the fight about... How he's never seen the third round in the UFC. I mean, that was like a big thing. Like, oh, he's never seen the third round. He knocks everybody out, but he's the fact that he's never seen the third round actually was his was his downfall. Was his downfall, which
1: is interesting. Yeah, yeah um, and I don't know why it's usually with fighters that are built like that. Um, they just seem to run out of gas quickly, maybe fast twitch muscle fight. I don't even know what it is, but they carry a lot of muscle. Um, and and they just don't usually do well if they can't put you away quickly. Um, if you remember Ali versus uh George Foreman, um, it was kind of looked the same. I mean, George Foreman was huge, hulking guy and all power. And Ali was, you know, Ali was a, a well-built guy, but he was built a lot like Steeping.
0: It's the difference between running a sprint and running a marathon. You don't see muscle-bound guys running marathons. They, it's too much muscle. It's too much energy. They're, yeah. they're, they're burning through so much energy to be that size. So if you're if you're running a sprint, it's great. So if you're knocking a guy out in the first round, he's built perfectly for that.
1: Okay, then I wonder why it would be someone like Ray, uh, Roy Nelson, who's about two sixty. He's all he's a he's lot a lot of fat. He's not all muscle, but he can go five rounds all out, and he's huge. He's carrying two sixty something around. Two fat, but fat all... doesn't
0: require a high metabolism though. Fat requires a pretty low metabolism. So,
1: but he has a knockout punch. In fact, I think his knockout ratio or percentage is even higher than Francis Nagano, and he's all fat. He's not all fat, obviously. His body's probably more efficient, though, for five rounds. That's weird. He's built better How does for that a 5 round fight. How can you say a guy with a belly that's actually hanging over his his pants knocks out almost everyone, um, and he can go five rounds all out? He could have gone five rounds without even... He doesn't even look like he's breathing hard uh, when he's going five rounds. Yeah. Um, so it's weird to think you look at some muscular guy like Nagano, um, and then you look at someone like Roy Nelson. They're both about the same weight. They're not quite, but just about. And they both, and Ro- and Nagano was was not completely done, but for all intents and purposes, he was pretty much done after the end of the first round. Roy Nelson doesn't even get started till usually the second or third. And he's going all out in the fifth. How does that happen? Okay, as a doctor, there must be some kind of uh, explanation for that. Well, the only explanation you can see on the surface
0: is that all that muscle requires a really high metabolism and burns a lot of energy. Okay, okay. But there may be more. I mean, Roy Nelson, Nelson might train differently. When you take a guy like Nagano and say he's never seen the third round, well, that turned out to be a big problem because he didn't see that he had no endurance for a third round. Or most of the second round. Yeah. Um, and definitely not the fifth round. When he yeah. came out to the fifth round, he just looked defeated. Like, his legs were wobbly. Like, yeah, he could yeah, barely yeah. walk. And when he got up at the end of the fight, he almost couldn't get himself up. Yeah. Which was just yeah. crazy to see. And he was the favorite. So the betting odds in Vegas or wherever are had that guy as the favorite.
1: Yeah. It's pretty weird you weren't but,
0: convinced I watched the fight with John and everyone was talking about this fight before it happened and John was like the only one in the room that's like, oh no, I'm, Stipe's gonna win this fight.
1: I knew if I knew and I never saw him gas out before, but I just knew Stipe had that plan like Ali had against Joe uh, um, like he had against uh, what you call like he had against George Foreman. he I knew he had a plan and and it's easy. To it's easy to beat someone who number one is tired. There's no worse. Let me just tell you guys something. If you've never fought before, let's just say in the ring or the cage, forget about the street. If you if if you're across the ring from your opponent and you're freaking exhausted, and you look across the ring and you can tell your opponent's not, there is no more defeating feeling in the world there's nothing worse than looking across at your opponent and seeing that he had bouncing bouncing like steeping and you can't even lift up anything you're that tired you can't even lift your arms up to defend there, yourself that is such a defeating feeling so no matter no matter how t- tired uh, francis was he was mentally gone when he looked across the cage and uh Steve Pink was pretty tired, too, but in the second round, he wasn't, and for him to look across there and go, oh, shit, there's, I don't care if you're 290, at that point, you just don't have, you gotta think of one thing, when you think of that kind of gas tank, you just gotta think of, of, of the fastest, most, whatever, uh, powerful car in the world, I'll say, I'll say a Ferrari, and I don't know anything about cars, so I'm gonna say Ferrari, you look at the most powerful, fastest car in the world, a Ferrari, and you just see somebody in it that's just going to fucking beat everybody, especially a Honda Civic like mine. But now look at that same Ferrari and say it's out of gas. It's completely useless. No matter what it looks like, no matter how powerful it is, no matter how powerful the fighter is, once the gas tank is empty, it's, it's done. And his gas tank emptied out way, way too quick. I don't care if he's uh, built and he's strong and he has all this muscle and shit. If he's gonna be a UFC fighter, he needs to go more than one round. Okay, so it has something to do with his training, and his training, his training needs to be, it needs to be modified. I mean, like a lot. And if his training is modified, if his, if his conditioning can even can even come one half of what his power is, his punching power, he's going to be unbeatable. But if his conditioning is the way it is uh, against uh, Stipek on last week, everybody's got him figured out. They can just run around the ring, maybe get a takedown, get a clinch, and then they know the second round he's going to come out like that. He's going to be a very, very easy uh, uh, puzzle to figure out.
0: You could say he's an easy puzzle, but one punch from that guy. I mean, the first round, I'm sure, was really scary for the champion because right. any one of those punches... Anyone could. I think he did get him, tag him a couple he times. He did. Look at his eye. Yeah, yeah. He, caught him, so he caught him a couple times. He did, and Stipe took it, but he's a puzzle. I wouldn't say he's an easy puzzle, but... And there's another hole, too, probably. I mean, we saw him get on the ground, and he was just flattened out. I mean, when he was actually on the, on the mat, his, I don't know what his wrestling skill is and what his wrestling training is, but that may be something else.
1: I don't, think, I don't think that's a factor. I don't think his lack of getting off the bottom is a factor. Technically, I think it was his lack of, of gas. He couldn't have got off the ground if, uh, if my mom was laying on him. He couldn't have got off the ground. He was he was just dead. I mean, there's nothing he could do, and and the power in the punch is just two hundred sixty pounds just flopping there. And so yeah, he
0: was so fast in the first round, and just watching his punches in the second round, they were not fast. No. So no. I mean, Stepe could see those those ones coming, so it didn't seem as dangerous. No. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in there, but it, Stipe, I think was a lot safer after the end of the first round.
1: Yeah, and he knew it, and and he played it safe, and. But he also knew he was 10 times safer, but he still knew if one of those bombs landed, it was going to be good night. So, he, and Which made the fight exciting still. That's why. That's why the fight was still exciting. And that's
0: why, for me, A should get a bonus for that fight, I think, for performance. <sighs> yeah. Because he, he put on an amazing performance. He fought this super dangerous guy in a very smart way and won. Uh, yeah, he pushed his head down for a, a big portion of the fight and maybe it wasn't super exciting for some people, but so I thought what,
1: I thought it was a great fight. But with, with performance, what would you call it? Great strategy? I guess straight great strategy, but... his th- endure-
0: To take a 265-pound guy that is that strong and to evade his punches and then to hold him down, I, I don't know. I thought it was pretty amazing I, I think it was amazing. I think he proved what a great fighter he was. But yeah, uh, UFC should have get And plus, how much this guy was hyped... Even though Stipe's a champion, they hyped him up so much for him to win, I don't know. I think it's a slap in the face that he didn't get a bonus
1: person. Yeah, but we don't know he did I don't, don't think he did. No, we don't know that. believe me, I know this. A lot of a Well lot, the ones that were listed the next day, right? he and wasn't Dana one of them. and Dana gives a lot of Dana takes care of his guys and he does it a lot of times without being public because for whatever reason. But I know for a fact that Dana takes care of his guys and if he does it under the table, sometimes whatever, um, Dana takes care of his guys. I, well, I'm sure Steepic was. He probably had to get back to work anyway. Steepic. <laughs> fucking guy's up. a blue collar. When he, I mean, he's the only guy that can say, "I'm the greatest heavyweight or whatever of all times," and not sound like a bragger. I mean, the way he says it is so blue collar. He could say, "I'm the greatest human on the planet," and he just doesn't sound like he's bragging. He's like, "Yeah." I'm the greatest fight. I'm the greatest heavyweight of all time. He just he just sounds like it's matter of fact, but he literally probably I don't know if he's been back to work yet, but he was working before the fight. He was he works he's a he's a he's a firefighter paramedic, and his, his wife who is pregnant now um, is a is a registered nurse and I think she works in ICU. Um, they are a blue collar family. I don't know about this fight. I didn't talk to him before this fight, but I talked to him right after one of his fights. He was already champion, so it must have been just, like, three fights ago. He worked, he worked, like, the week of the fight. Like, say the fight he had to go on Tuesday or something. He worked, like, he worked, like, that Saturday. Then he had to leave Tuesday. Because UFC fighters have to be at the uh, venue on Tuesday, fights on Saturday. So wherever the fight is, say it's in, say it was in Brazil, and he lives in Cincinnati. He has to be in Brazil by Tuesday. And that's one of the UFC rules, so he worked like a Saturday, probably slept all day Sunday. He was at his uh, uh, at his venue on on Tuesday, fought on Saturday, got home on Sunday, and I think he worked the following Tuesday or something. And that's the heavyweight champion of the world. He probably I don't know what he made for sure, but I know he made it's 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 in the seven figures, so. For him to do that is just, is it's like the, it's just like blue collar. You're a blue collar guy if you do it. He wasn't out driving his fucking Maserati. He wasn't like in Vegas, like with jewels on and a freaking he was back at work a couple days after he defended his world heavyweight title. So that's what you call a blue collar guy. steepig Miocic is... Blue-collar. Like Chuck Liddell is. Chuck Liddell is a blue-collar guy. Um, he may live in uh, Calabasas right now, but in his heart, he's a blue-collar guy. And when you talk to him, that's what resonates. His, hey, this guy's a blue-collar guy. When you talk to Steve Big, it's like they're related. Sometimes they, even their voice sounds the same. Hey, best ever in the world. Or you hear, listen to Chuck talk. They kind of have the same... The same, uh, t- uh, the, the same kind of the uh, same kind of lingo. They're just blue. It's blue collar lingo, whatever that means. But anyway, so let's talk about DC.
0: DC's fight. This was a good fight too. I enjoyed this fight. Of all the fights mm-hmm. that were on, these are the two I kind of really watched. Um, yeah. But DC fought Ozumir. Yeah, Vulcan. So, what do you think about this fight?
1: Um. <sighs> I just thought it was a, a, I think, I think uh, Vulcan started quick and that's, that was his like his, that was his shot to, to try to tag uh, DC and then DC looked like he was going to get a slow start, but he was, he was covered up enough, but he was a little bit off in the very, very beginning. He did land a couple
0: in the first round, I think. A couple shots, DC.
1: Yeah. Well then he, I'm just talking about like the first few seconds. And then it started getting on in the first round. He started getting his timing and getting his feet wet. And then he started throwing some power shots. And the best way he was gonna um, I mean the best way he's gonna get the takedown he found out was uh, he's gotta throw some punches and then get the takedown. A lot of great wrestlers like DC um rely too much on the takedown. And you have to set up the takedown with punching, just like if you're a puncher, you have to set down, you have to set up your takedown defense with punches.
0: But so, it's great to see if he got a hold of his leg, he's going down. Yeah, and to watch him do a single leg takedown, that was pretty cool. It is. And also, I think one of them, he caught Ozdemir's leg. He actually caught his kick, and then took
1: him down from that. He's he's he's. He is the heavyweight ch- or the light heavyweight champion. Um, yeah, you wouldn't want to give him your leg because
0: no. uh, his ability to take you down yeah. with a single leg was pretty impressive. Yeah,
1: and and his and his his ground and pound skills and his, and his submission skills are, are good. He almost got a submission at the end of the first round, um, then ended with some ground and pound in the in the second round. But I mean, he comes from a great camp, um, the great a great wrestling camp, you know, aka uh, under Zinkin. Um, um, and they're just, there's great wrestling going on there. That's one of the reasons that there's a lot of injuries out of that camp. They train really, really hard. Um, they push it really, really hard. And when you push it really hard in wrestling, unlike striking In striking, if you push it really hard, um, you'll probably get punched drunk, uh, sometime like uh, my age, like I am, but when you wrestle really, really hard, you get acute injuries all the time. I mean, because you're 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 trying to take a guy down, he's trying to go one way. You have a hold of his leg. There's a lot of knee uh, injuries um, with 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 hardcore wrestling camps like that. Um, I heard from an orthopedic surgeon friend of mine. You you might be able to. Uh, I don't know if you deal with uh, wrestler at Cal Poly as much as. Uh, as much as divine, but he once told me that eighty-five percent of all anyone on a college wrestling team, or any college wrestling team, eighty-five percent of their wrestlers have some type of knee injury all the time. Yeah, knee injuries are definitely number one, and that's in wrestling. And that's so that happens a lot in that camp. And they, but then when they when they're in, when they're not injured and they and they come at it like uh, like this fight. Their, their wrestling combined with their striking, like Cain Velasquez and Daniel Cormier, are just unfucking believable. It's 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 it was it's what made them both champions. They're just their ability to mix up great striking, thanks to um, they got great great training over there. Um, crazy crazy uh, crazy uh, crazy Bob's a, a really great uh, a trainer, um, and and. Between the two of them, they have similar styles, and it's it's unbelievable. So yeah, his striking with his with his takedowns is is going to be pretty hard to beat. What is, he had him flattened out at the end. Yeah, and, uh, he, he was
0: mounted him, but he had his arm pinned too, yeah. and he was mounted, and there's nothing he could do. He's
1: nothing, and, and yeah, his their their top control is unbelievable. So it was a great fight, and Daniel's a champion uh, again, and. Hopefully, he holds on to it for a while. Who do you think he'll fight next, or who do you want to see him fight? Any, any predictions? It's either, either, um, it's either gonna be John Jones. Who's I don't, I don't know. I, what, I think DC said he's not interested in that. This is the weirdest thing in the world. They, they're like, it's like weird. It's like he did steroids, but not really. I don't understand that. He didn't know he was taking steroids. I, it would. I mean, do you, do you take his word for that? At this point in his career. <laughs> I'm going to say
0: yes. You keep giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'd say so, no. So yeah, I, take, I take no. his
1: word for it, but I don't think it matters at this point. Like, if you got if you got into a head-on collision and hurt someone. So okay, so while you were driving. And then you were drunk. If you could convince a jury that you didn't know you were drinking alcohol. Somebody spiked your punch with alcohol. Um, and you did it multiple times. Um I don't know. I, I believe him somehow, but I, I don't think it's an excuse. I, I think he might not have known it, but just the fact that he keeps doing steroids and coke and whatever else, there, there's something, there's something gone awry. And I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but just the fact that he did steroids, even if he didn't know he took them, to me, he has such an unfair advantage now with all these unknown steroids in him that he didn't know he was taken, but he was taken. So I think it's an unfair advantage. I don't think DC should fight him, I personally. Yeah. Whether we do or not, though, it's all up to the UFC. So with that said, if it's not going to be John Jones, I want it to be Glover. Glover's right in there. Glover's in the mix. That would be great. That would be a great fight. I'd love to see it. Uh, I'll be working with Glover for that fight, and uh, watch out. All right,
0: so, so that was a good fight. I, those was, those top two fights, I thought were both interesting, um,
1: good fights. Yeah, and okay, let's now let's go back to the the main. Um, what do you do? What, what what does Francis do differently? I'm gonna tell you what he does differently. He needs to not rely so much on his sparring or even grappling, and he needs to he needs to pump up his cardio more he needs to push his anaerobic workouts more and he needs to push up his aerobic workouts more he needs to go further now he's going to go five rounds he needs to train for five rounds okay he needs to train for five rounds so that means he needs to spar for five rounds instead of three he needs to get his body used to going five rounds but he also on his other days he needs to push his anaerobic threshold to the max. And it doesn't look like he did that. Because I don't think... Even with all his musculature, I don't think he'd be that exhausted after um, after uh, those uh, rounds. Look at... Someone like Ken Norton was buff like crazy when he fought Ali. They went, they went... I don't even know how many rounds. 15 rounds or whatever. All out. He was swinging the whole time. He beat Ali on decision. And then Tyson... He wasn't as heavy as, um, as Zingano or, but he was, um, it was not Zingano. Ingano. 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 Sorry about that. But he was all just for as short as he was, he was unbelievably muscular. He didn't get tired either. They trained their body in an anaerobic fashion and aerobic. So they would spar long rounds. But a lot of people think sparring long rounds is all you need to do. But you need to do hardcore anaerobic um, exercises that aren't anything to do with sparring, don't have anything to do with grappling, nothing to do with jiu-jitsu, just hardcore, get your heart rate way up uh, anaerobic drills. And that's what uh, Francis needs to do more And of. that's not fun. No, it's not fun. <laughs>
0: it's not fun. It's
1: not fun, but it's necessary. Whether you're training to protect yourself in a street fight or win a UFC title, it is necessary. If you're a martial artist, you need to push your cardio workouts into anaerobic and aerobic. You need to do both. That's what I think. Totally agree. The rest of the card, I we're uh, hanging out with friends. I
0: watched very peripherally. Yeah. Did you have any anything in any of these three yeah, fights?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I let's see. We'll go buy him. Uh, I didn't really watch watch the fight between uh, uh, Burgos and uh, Qatar. I mean, it looked like Burgos had it, and and he was such a sharp striker, and then he got tagged, and the fight was over. So uh, that just proves that one punch can change everything, and it did in this fight. Which yeah. makes you
0: think, you know, if if you put Stipe and Nagano. It would, if they fought that fight ten times, how many times would Stepe win that fight? Because you know, one punch from that guy would have ended the fight, or yeah. one really good one. So yeah, it's there's a, there's always a certain amount of just timing and there what is. happens and
1: there is. But then again, like if Ali fought uh, Foreman ten times, I don't know if he if he would do the same. But yeah, I don't know, I don't know. But okay, then we got Volante against uh, Barrazo. Um I've heard this guy fought before, like five or six times in the UFC. This which, which uh, one? Francimor Barazzo, Barozo. I, it. I don't. It looked like he was trying just not to fight for three rounds. I mean, he was like circling around the cage, very se- little engagement. How many punches? Show me punches even through total strikes. Seventy four se- of se- one
0: twenty eight. Okay.
1: So they both had seven. I think there's a mistake there.
0: Well, he threw more. Okay, so Vellante seventy-four,
1: two 70 So basically, twenty-five strikes around. I. It just looked like it didn't look like a very action-packed uh, fight. Um, there was a decision on Villante. Maybe Barrazo was overtrained. Maybe he was. Maybe he had a bad injury or something, but he just seemed to like circle the cage and and, and avoid. Any kind of uh, any kind of engagement. So it was kind of a boring fight. I'm not taking away from either one of these guys. They might have just been having a bad night. But it definitely was not gonna be fight of the night. It wasn't even fight of the fight. Do you get that?
0: I don't know what that means.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> it was a joke. Let's check it out. They're not own. only check it out. Not only was it not fight of the night, it wasn't even it was so bad, it wasn't even fight of the fight. <laughs> You get it? No. Okay, anyway. It's, it's a joke.
0: <laughs> no, I okay. get I get that you're trying to be funny. <laughs> wow. Okay.
1: I don't, know who's, I don't know who's worse on me. Is it my wife or you trying to brutalize this me? This wasn't the fight of the fight. I got it. Okay. It's anyway. Funny. It's funny. So then we got Thomas Alameda. I love this kid. And Rob Font. I don't know much about him, but I love him. You know, I think he's from, like, uh, I think he's from, like, uh, Baltimore, uh, Boston. Um, and uh, I really like his style. He lost his last fight, I think. Um, if you look back, um, Rob Font. Yeah, um, I think he lost his last fight, but he was he was he's he's pretty damn good. He did. Yeah. He lost to Munoz. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he's a good fighter. He uh, he he also lost to John Lineker. Well, everyone loses to him, <laughs> um, just about. Um, He's a really sharp kickboxer, really good, and uh, he uh, he he tagged Thomas and and, and put him out. Um, it was pretty it was pretty competitive up to then, but you could just tell he had a little more a little more uh, a little more firepower. And so he's an up and comer. Uh, I I see him uh, I see him knocking on the door. Um, so Rob Font, I don't know who he trains with. Might be uh, Deligradi. I don't. I don't know for sure, but he's definitely a, a well-rounded fighter. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to see him again. So, so he got the win. Yeah, Where does he fight out of? To say, I think he's. Uh, I think he's in Boston.
0: He's from uh, Massachusetts. Probably Boston, Massachusetts They say ca instead of "car." He fights out you of. You watch low, my cat. Woburn, Mass. He fights out of Woburn, Mass.
1: Yeah. So. Got a funny story about, uh, about, uh, um, he, he, gets home late one night, um, and, um, he's, uh, he's, um, his wife's like, why, why are you home so late? He was out partying with his friends and, uh, he, um, he says, <laughs> he has his wife, um, Bring her bring him a uh, bring him a sandwich and then he uh he has him, he he has her clean the house while he eats the sandwich. Let's just put it that way. He's a pretty powerful guy, Deligrati. hope he's watching this. It wasn't <laughs> He actually he came on like five in the morning. Alright, cool. Well that was all the fights on that
0: card. Um there were some prelims and stuff, but uh, I think the big fights, I think it was worth watching.
1: Yeah, they're good fights. They're good fights. I'm just, I, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, Jacques versus Brunson, definitely. That's coming up. Uh, is that this week? Yeah, I uh, think the no. 27th. So that's going to be Saturday. That is, that is this week.
0: Yep,
1: Saturday. So yeah, we're looking forward to that one. Brun- and we'll be talking more about that. Other than that, what, what else we got, man? Check out my video on, um, on making a more uh, realistic left hook. Because let me just tell you guys something. If you're hitting a bag all the time with, with big puffy uh, bag gloves, and, um, and you're hitting a bag, a heavy bag, which is full of cloth, and then you have a foam pad on your hand, okay? you're hitting the bag, you're getting a great workout, and that's what you should do 90% of the time. But once in a while, you should take those gloves off and you should hit some kind of hard surface to develop some, some realistic punching power and feel. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're, if you're a UFC fighter or an MMA fighter and you're always hitting the pads and, and, and uh, the bag with these big gloves, the first time you hit someone with those little 4-ounce gloves... It's gonna be a shock to your system, so you should get kind of used to it beforehand. And if you're a, a training for this, you know, just to be a martial artist, if somebody attacks you in the street and you hit him with no gloves on at all or hand wraps, it's gonna be a super uh, rude awakening, and you're gonna break your hand a lot easier. So you should always practice hitting a hard or a semi-hard, like like a, a pad. Put a pad and wrap it around a pole. And then wrap some duct tape around it and just hit it. Don't hit it too hard because if you hurt your hand, it's on you because I'm warning you. Start off real easy and like hit it for five minutes. And then every week, just hit it a little bit harder. I would do that twice a week for five minutes each. And we call it the makiwara. And what a, what a makiwara is, is just a fancy term for a pad that you hit. Okay? So, I got a video on that on my... On my uh, YouTube channel, which is the Pit Online Dojo, and it's called Reality Based Left Hook Training.
0: The only, the only caveat would be when you're angry, please don't punch a solid door, or, or the drywall, because then uh, I will see you in the office. No, you, that's the, no, that's always a broken hand in my office. When if, you're angry, please don't punch the wall. If let me just say something. <laughs> that is. I see too many of those. If you
1: get angry at somebody and you're dumb enough to hit an inanimate object like a wall, a door, the ground, or anything, you need help. You need some kind of like therapy or something. That's like the stupidest thing in the world because the person you're mad at is now laughing their ass off and you're mad... But now you you have a broken hand and you're mad and the person that you were mad at in the first place, not only did they beat you the first time, now they just beat you the second time because they're they're cracking up. Their hands are fine. There's a certain age group that's particularly prone to this. It's like from eight to eighty. I've seen grown. It's I mostly
0: actually, guys. I've between- seen. A- Sixteen and twenty-five. Okay, that might be true. That might be most of them. But after about uh, twenty-five, your brain is a little bit better at risk assessment.
1: I'm not gonna name his name. <laughs> I'm not gonna name that. his name. Most of the time. Right. I'm not gonna name his name, but I know a MD who was angry with his it's, with his it's wife. Me. It is not it's me. not him, no. <laughs> but he was so mad he punched a wall. He not just he didn't just get a like a, a regular little uh, Boxers fracture that was you know approximated or anything, he he fractured his hand bad enough we had to have pins, okay, and he's a doctor and he hit his right he hurt his right hand. That's yeah. a true story. Not not brilliant. Not doing no, not, and he's 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 pretty much a smart guy most of the time. Don't ever hit an inanimate object, but do practice on a makiwara. Start off slow. If you have any questions on any kind of training. You can leave a message uh, right here on our YouTube. If you're watching on SoundCloud, you leave it as a comment, or you can email at johnatthepit.tv. And, and if you are that angry, John, what should you do? If you're that angry, go hit a bag. Go hit a bag. Okay. No matter how angry you are, as anybody, don't be stupid enough to hit a wall. And you're even stupider if you hit that person. Because now, you might hurt your hand, but you're going to go to jail for hitting someone. Hit a bag. Hit a bag. Get a bag. Hit and the hit bag. It. Stress relief. Stress That's relief. That's good advice. I know, but I need it's some stress relief so sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hit the bag. Between right. him and my wife, they're like, just like, they make me angry because they're sometimes they're like, they're very condescending to me. And that really bothers me. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> all right, guys. See you later.